fellow citizens of Disneyland, my citizenship, of course, still pending. Welcome to a different kind of Disneyland for designers. It's episode 19. Jared, how are you? Very good. How are you? Yeah, well, <laughs> I, I have to come clean with everybody. And I think an important thing about broadcasting is full transparency, hmm. being honest, honest with your audience. And if you lie to people, how can they enjoy the content? How, like, how can they take anything that you say seriously? Mm-hmm. So, the last couple of episodes, God, this is so hard for me to say. <laughs> we haven't really been in the park. Oh my gosh! Actually, the parks have been closed for the last couple of weeks. You're kidding. This yeah. is coming as a shock to most people listening. I'm sure. I know people have been like, "How does he get this access?" I right. Mean, you know, the people. I have you on the show. I have Philander on the show. I have Tasha on the show. Like all these A list people are probably thinking, "Like, well, he's Bricky Mouse. He's got a key. He's he's still going in there. He still knows how to turn the machines on." <laughs> but it was all clever editing. It was all a dream, like Word Up Magazine. So here's what I thought we would do today. Okay. I thought one, I'd come clean with the audience, hmm. and two. We would actually address the closing of the park, but even more importantly, the reopening of the park and what that could look like, what should our expectations be for the future. So I wanted to start out the episode by saying, I'm proud that we normally do escapism, but there's a lot of information that sort of surfaced. We've got Shanghai opening up. We've got the Asian parks making an early move. And I just think it's time to do a serious episode and kind of talk about how the park could be different and sort of maybe realign our expectations. This is kind of exciting because uh, I, I know right now it seems very dark and unpredictable and, and um, you know, it's scary for a lot of reasons, so the least of which is Disneyland, but that's obviously our focus here. But this is a very historic period and something oh that we'll be Lord, looking yeah. back on uh, for, for the decades to come and, oh, you were around for that and what was it like? And I can't believe it was closed for so long. And I know that, you know, as time goes by, these things, the perspective shifts. And, and sure. we, we tend to remember, you know, like, we'll, we'll talk about it anecdotally and not in sort of the heat of it right now. So it's interesting to capture it while it's happening. 100%. I mean, we are living in one of the most um, epic pages of Disney history. Mm-hmm. Like, this moment in time will reshape the next chapter that gets written about all six of the parks globally. Yeah. If you were watching Imagineering season seven in 2075, it would go a little something like this. After the birth of Star Wars Galaxy's Edge and an Asian market that was booming, it seemed like the Disney Corporation and the Disney parks could do no wrong. After the break, the pandemic shuts down all six parks for the first time in recorded history. (laughs) Like, there are blueprints that are right now riding through a shredder over at WDI. You're like, well, that Tomorrowland's gone. I mean, this is really going to reshape everything, and and this is this generation's Disneyland Paris. Mm -hmm. You know, the the parks were booming. There were so many plans. They thought they could do no wrong. And then Paris fell flat, and that reshaped everything. And think about losing 91% of their profitability, Mm-hmm. losing billions of dollars, this is going to reshape everything moving right. forward. And it's really sad because we were at the peak of the golden renaissance of Disneyland and the Disney parks, right? Mm-hmm. For sure, for sure. Like it was 
flush with cash. You, they could basically say, don't come to the park. Like, you know, like we're too crowded. Stay away. Um, so, yeah, it, it and, does. And constant it, growth, right? Right, like, right. We, we got Galaxy's Edge just last year. Yeah. We were going to get Marvel's uh, Avengers Campus this summer. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's unprecedented to get those that close to one another. Right. Right. So, yeah, we will definitely be feeling this for the next uh, at least decade. But uh, how it, you know, but in the same respect, too, interesting things come out of these times, I think, sure. too. Right. So I am excited for that part. But that is a that's a long ways down the way when we kind of reflect on the next 10 years and say, like, oh, this is how the pandemic affected uh, what we saw in, in the coming year. So it's going to take well, some time the- and it's still very sad, but um, historical, like you said. One of the things that I love about Disneyland over Disney World is that design within constraint. Mm-hmm. Because we're talking about a much smaller footprint. We have a city that has popped up all around us, the city of Anaheim. Yep. We are right on the borders of Ball and Harbor and Catella and Disney Way. These are four major thoroughfares. So that has evolved, I think, a park that is very sophisticated. When you look at Galaxy's Edge, it's a perfect clone over in Orlando, other than a couple little details. Mm-hmm. We have three entrances, they have two. But that design was sculpted to fit in Disneyland first. You know, they had to figure out how to put it in Disneyland first, and then like, we can fit anything in Hollywood Studios in Orlando. But that goes to show the, the constraint of Disneyland and how that whole land, which I think is amazing... Mm-hmm. The, the spires and the ridges and the rocks, that's all designed to blend in with our rivers of America. Right, right. Right? Exactly. Like that, that shows sort of the conceptual thinking of Disneyland and the problem solving. So I have no doubt about it that this will just, like you said, this will create a whole bunch of more problem solving and, and, and different ways to go about things and the evolution of a park. It's just all going to pivot and it's going to go in a different way. So one thing I want to get into before we start uh, the, the main subject mm-hmm is one of the things that I think that we've lost other than you know a beautiful spring at the park and, and people on their spring break. I mean, so many people had vacations mm-hmm. planned. Yep. For people like us that are APs that can go all the time, we lost out on some good memories, but some people lost out on the vacation of a lifetime yeah. where maybe the vacation they had booked at Disneyland was when mom and dad had great jobs and the family had extra money in the savings account and maybe now that's a family that is structurally different and that kid's going to miss out on that once in a lifetime you only get to go once when you're four years old that's right you know what i mean yeah uh, you know in addition to things like graduations anniversaries birthdays yeah. things like that where they've been planning this trip of when i turn this age whether it's 10 or 50 i'm going to do a big disneyland trip with all my friends and then if it just happened to fall during this period yeah, those things are, are, are missed, right? But you got a good story, I guess, out of it. <laughs> I didn't get to go when I was four because the part wasn't there. <laughs> the thing that... That's actual audio from Tabitha. Uh, <laughs> the thing that I'm kind of amazed about, though, is that we were so close to finally, for the first time in our lives, getting to celebrate May the 4th inside of Star Wars. Right. Like I was so fascinated. What will the first ever... May the 4th look like because I don't know if you remember there was just like an impromptu hardcore fans did their own life day Mm -hmm. celebration and that was really really cool once again I'd say go watch Adam the Woo over on YouTube like 
He's a vlogger who's a really uh, talented guy on covering the Disney parks. And he quickly realized, I'm not shooting a vlog anymore. I'm shooting a documentary. Like, this is a thing that's happening. And it was funny to watch Adam get quiet, step back, Mm -hmm. and then just start capturing this historic moment that was happening in front of him. I thought that this May the 4th, our first ever fully operational Galaxy's Edge. I thought this was going to be an amazing thing that, you know, we'll have to do it in 21 yeah no I, I will say that i'm glad that you know just under the wire they got these lands this land done right at, at least to the point of having rise of the resistance um operational and had its little um had its brief run however brief how lucky are we that we're two of the very few amount of guests mm-hmm. that has actually got to rise against the resistance yeah so can you imagine if that were just months off uh, if this landed right there when the ride was opening or before star wars land was officially open and this thing is in limbo so i am glad that we got that in and it's part of you know it's part of the park now and what it will be for the next foreseeable future so um hooray for that but uh yeah well i think later in today's episode we're going to look at the future of the parks mm-hmm. and how things like rise of the resistance has possibly reshape the future or the immediate future of the park so let's jump right in okay so as you know if you live in america uh there's not a lot of direction from the pandemic that's coming down from the federal government it seems like maybe nobody's steering the ship right now Mm. and it's been delegated over to the states so what we're going to see happen in california is going to be much different than what we're going to see that happens in florida you've got two different states Two different ideologies, two different economic backgrounds. I mean, everybody, I don't have to explain to everybody how different Florida and California are. Pick which one you like is your favorite, but everybody knows that is two different types of states, two different set of rules. So everything that we're looking at is what Gavin Newsom, governor of California, has has set up for the rules of reopening California. And I'll say, he's been one of the most for a very very liberal state he's been one of the most um conservative governors as far as the rules and really trying to not let the pandemic get out of control Mm. and and wisely because we have 33 million citizens that call california home we have the fifth largest economy in the world we're a nation state we could be our own country Mm. if need be so he's really taking all the measures that he can to make sure that california does what it needs to do to preserve its true greatness so his rule is and these are his quotes large-scale events that bring in hundreds thousands or tens of thousands of strangers all together across every conceivable difference health and otherwise is not in the cards based upon our current guidelines and current expectations the prospect of mass gatherings is negligible at best until we get herd immunity and get to a vaccine Mm -hmm. herd immunity i think naturally i'm a podcaster take this advice for what it's (laughs) what it's worth but i'm not gonna tell you to drink bleach herd immunity i feel like the human condition can get there maybe faster than a vaccine Mm. but he's saying no big public dwellings or or get-togethers until we get a vaccine Mm -hmm. so disneyland fans we are hardcore rooting for a vaccine because we're going to need that to get our park together because really quickly just to break down the scale of disneyland disneyland attracts an estimated fifty-one thousand guests per day Mm mm-hmm 
that goes up to the very highest range of what our governor has laid out for the rules. Right. So Disneyland is right there with the Staples Center, right there with the upcoming L.A. Stadium, uh, the Rose Bowl. I mean, we're talking about every major event in California, Coachella, Stagecoach, you name it. Anything that happens on that big level is in that number, and that is our beloved Disneyland. Now, Disney's California Adventure, just to show you the scale, that's 27,000 visitors a day. So on a popping day, you could have 70,000 people out there, and let's not forget Disney um, employs 30,000 employees. So at any given time, with the hotels and the restaurants and the shops and people working and Uber drivers, there could be 100,000 humans at the Disneyland Resort on any given day. That's a big number for where we're at right mm-hmm. now in the time of social distancing. Yeah, so that's why the, the, the information that's coming out now is... is so a lot of it seems psychological, right? Like it's more of a comfort level than it is a practical scientific sure. take. What will make you feel comfortable? What would make the government feel comfortable about saying like, go ahead and do this? Because the six feet thing, as I'm sure you've seen from being out and about, it's a difficult thing to sort of navigate, right? Like in theory, it makes sense. And if you're in line, it makes sense. Everywhere else, it doesn't make sense. So for something as sprawling as Disneyland, and granted, it's it's outside, which adds sort of a, you know, it's different than being in a movie theater. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I don't know how much of this is like psychological or actual, like it's preventative. Well, to also paint a picture of Disneyland and how many people are there, Mm -hmm. the Magic Kingdom in Orlando is 57,000 people. Right, that's their their attendance. Okay, so they're putting six thousand more people in one hundred and seven acres. Mm-hmm. Disneyland is eighty five acres. Right. So, not only do we have an attendance six thousand people when you're at fifty one. I mean, hey, let them in. That's plus one on the guest list at the concert, right? Yeah. Like, oh, we could fit five more people in here. But when you look at how small, and I'm talking Disneyland on its own, mm-hmm. Disneyland itself is eighty five acres. So we got a lot of people. And a small amount of land. So everything you're talking about is right. It's what makes people feel better, what seems practical, what keeps people spread apart. But you know, you've been in line at Disneyland yeah. before. <laughs> Some people, they don't stop until they touch you. Right. Right? Like you, everybody here has been in line with the kid that keeps bumping into your backpack, with the family that keeps pushing the stroller mm-hmm. into your, your heel or your calf. Like, People get to the park and they just lose all concept of space. So it, it sets up a lot of different ways that they're going to have to think about this. Mm-hmm. So let's do a dive in. Okay. The first thing we're going to look at today is operational changes. Now, I think that out of everything we're going to talk about today, I think that this part really kind of changes a lot of it for me because it it takes out a lot of the adventure and spontaneity. Mm-hmm. How do you say? How do you say that spontaneity. word? Spontaneity. Yeah, you got it. I got it right the first time. I was just checking you. But here's what we're looking at. We're looking at possibly Disneyland opening first, and Disney's California Adventure not opening up, hmm. going to a one park system. Okay. And the reason for that is is Disneyland is or the Disneyland Resort, I should say. It's a big operation. Mm-hmm. 
And you can't just flip the switch and say, we're going to open up Friday. Because they have to rehire back all the furloughed employees. They're going to have to train their staff on these new operations. Like, they're going to have to have a couple of weeks of getting the soldiers rounded up and a couple of weeks of training. And whenever they can, they're going to have to get construction crews in there and a high level of staff to redesign what it looks like. So they're going to need, on the short end, 30 days of behind the scenes getting it ready for you and i to show up Mm -hmm. yeah which um i'm sure some of that's going to be starting way ahead right like like even before there's an announcement of us coming conference calls all day long five days a week plastic shields right Uh, when to wear face masks when not to uh, line markers of how to stay this much back because if if something physical isn't there people aren't going to be the best estimates of how far back is six feet or whatever whatever the case may be i feel like everything's got to change from that perspective in the in just the cues in general think about like peter pan and all of that stuff um j- just to get people in line seems like a big hassle so i i imagine there's yeah i i can't even think at this point how it's going to be and what will become normalized and what will just stay in place long after this is gone and people will ask right why do we do this you know you're like oh well this started back in 2020 you know back in 2020 <laughs> you, know? you had to stand six feet for people <laughs> why are these Pan? lines painted here like oh you yeah, used to have yeah. to stand like that and you so, know what? It used to be 50 minutes and, and like 100 <laughs> people waiting for Peter Pan at all times, so all times I, of the day. I am curious about that. Like, I think that's a huge part of it is the operational thing um, of just the physical presence of that many people in one area. I, I, it's hard to imagine at this point. So let's work at it this way from a business perspective. Mm. The reason why you don't open up DCA is because with a much smaller attendance, yeah. and if you can't go to full capacity... Every restaurant, every business has a tipping point of like, well, we have 12 booths in our restaurant because we need all 12 booths to be full to make our money. I mean, it's a burden on a restaurant to cut down their capacity oh, sure. because every bar, every shop, every store is built on X amount of humans, spending X amount of money. That's our strike zone. That's where we're at. So if we take the Disneyland capacity and we move it down to 25%, that's only 12,000 people. And even though you're thinking, my God, it would be amazing to be in Disneyland with only 12,000 people, can Disneyland make a profit? Can they make it worth their while at 12,000 people? If they go up to 50%, that's 24,000. So that's a DCA audience across the Espananda Mm -hmm. over in Disneyland. And even if they go to 75%, which sounds like a high number, that's still 36,000 people. That's probably profitable for them. But now they're getting higher up in the social distancing numbers. So the big theory is this. We've seen them do this with the evening after dark events. Mm -hmm. We've seen them do this before. Can Disney take an operational day and divide it up into three different tickets Mm. so that you would reserve ahead of time or buy a ticket for the morning ticket, the midday ticket, or the evening ticket? There's a split day ticket that happens in some of the Asian parks because their popularity and their lifestyle and their culture is just different than ours. Mm-hmm. But this is already an interesting moment of, well, if there's three different crowds moving through the park each day, then that takes out just deciding to go to Disneyland because that also puts us into a stage where you have to go online, 
and book your ticket ahead of time. So people that have that flex pass, they're used to that concept. But people like you and I that have the AP baller pass, we're not used to that concept. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So this ticketing system is a merge of two things we've seen in the past. It's influenced by the after hours events where they take the park and shut it down by five o'clock. There's a transitional hour. And then at six o'clock, everybody moves in for the evening show. But booking ahead of time, you and I were a part of that for the opening of Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. where you booked ahead of time. There was four shifts then. I don't think they would do four shifts because that doesn't give you a lot of Disneyland time because those four hours in Galaxy's Edge went fast. But we could be looking at what you and I experienced for the opening of Star Wars Galaxy's Edge to be the new normal for a while. Mm-hmm. How, do, how does that register with you? Gosh, I mean, it, it's a difficult call that sounds actually horrible i think actually for for people like us who go so often and we're not trying to get on rides and and get our families on things in time so that we have the whole park in a day so we go very casually and and can just enjoy it for what it is now i think that's not most people right i think people are like oh i'm I'm spending this much money we're in the minority for sure right Uh, then i want to get a full day out of it so then do we just wait this out or do we, uh, you know, we we have to take him because it's his birthday. So we're going to make the best with what we've got available. So I think that right there is going to cut down your your attendance by quite a bit. And it, it's funny because I think the pass holders are the ones that are going to be the most like um, accepting of this kind of thing, right? Like they're they're used to these kind of weird ticketed things, and like right. I want to go so bad that I, I I get why they're doing this and, and that thing. For for a general audience, I think this a lot of this kind of stuff, if it gets too specific, gets confusing, and and sort of intimidating. And I don't understand. Like, well, do we get to go on these rides? Do we not? Will, will we get on that Star Wars ride? Will we not? Um, so I, I am. That would be my concern there. Obviously, for me, I'm. I'm curious to just go and see how this thing gets rolled out, you know, and just to see like, oh, yeah. that's interesting how they did that over there. But that's that's definitely not the general audience. So um, obviously they've taken this into consideration when they're planning out how they're going to roll this out. I'm, I'm curious to see how effectively they can simplify what is actually a very difficult sort of process to, to figure out. Oh, we, we opened this many restaurants because at 50%, we need to open this many and, and DCA will worry about it later and all that stuff. So, uh, And some things just won't open because if we open up this smaller restaurant right. and we can only put four families in there instead of eight or ten, mm-hmm. it doesn't make sense to even put the 36 cast members in there. That's 36 people we don't have to be paying this hour. Right. So, I mean, it really becomes like a... a, a a strategy game mm-hmm. almost like a, a war type game like where do we put our troops how, how do we spread out these people what is profitable what's not i mean i think you're absolutely right jared this makes disneyland for a while a locals part mm-hmm. because well one it's kind of crazy to put the family on an airplane right now yeah. and to fly in from right. ohio or new york or wherever or you know arizona or washington uh hard to road trip in and justify that you only get six hours and can you book three days in a row you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. well we went ahead and we booked but we could only get on there monday and wednesday and we've only got so many days off from work because of the pandemic time we burnt out some of our days off so i do think that this becomes a very locals park 
and you know this is all speculated nobody mm-hmm. knows that this is happening for sure but if disneyland's looking at the number and they go well if we're only allowed to get twelve thousand people in a day and we can do this three times that does get them to 75 percent of of their attendance mm-hmm. so it does make sense when you look at it that way but then when you go from a health standard wait a minute they really got 70 or thirty-six thousand people here today it's just they brought us here in three different batches, mm-hmm. you know? So right. I don't know that it, this system, even though it'd be nice to be in an emptier park, because in all honesty, I don't want to go there and ride anything. Mm-hmm. I don't need to go there and eat anything. I just want to go in there and sit on the bench for the day. Right. <laughs> right. So it doesn't really bother me. I just want to do a lap and sit on the bench. Maybe I want to sit on a bench in each land for an hour and then I'm out the gate. Yeah. But for other people, other intentions this is kind of wild and i mean i gotta get the evening ticket mm-hmm. because i can't be told i gotta leave at two o'clock I'm like, but <laughs> there's so much more disneyland happening today right i can't do the midday ticket and be like it the, the sun's getting ready to go down and i gotta go watch the lights from the parking garage what are you what are you crazy i can't do that <laughs> yeah exactly so that's what i mean like it 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 changes the concept of a Disneyland day, which is, that's huge, right? And, and it's not something we've had to ever do. Um, the, the whole focus of the park is to get you to stay as long as you can, spend as much as you can, do everything you possibly can on property. So now to say, come for three hours or four hours or whatever your window is or, or with these limited things, yeah, you know, for this hardcore fans, it, it makes sense because we just want to get our fix. But again, I don't, I don't know how that makes sense to other people other people balancing out cost and time and risk and think about this from disney's perspective and they're in the hole right now Mm -hmm. with losing all this money if i go to the park i've already given them my fourteen hundred dollars or whatever i pay for the year so if i show up to sit on my bench what are they getting from me that day Mm -hmm. you know like I guess now I do have to buy something because I feel horrible. And by the way, we, we have started a Kickstarter for Disneyland. So <laughs> link below, you can go there. Donate what you can, folks. Donate what you can. But so that that changes sort of the overall day. Yeah. Now, once we're at Disneyland, here are some things that are going to be different. Let's start with the attractions because a lot of people are all about crushing rides. Right. It's speculated that you will have to book your e-ticket attractions in advance night before when you buy your ticket what are your big things you want to ride add them in now i know with the magic band system out in orlando this is kind of already the vibe Mm -hmm. but this is very much not a disneyland thing to know that you have a 315 appointment with big thunder mountain and then you got to get over to your other favorite mountain space mountain at like 715 Mm -hmm. that if this is something that happens you have a window to go to the park you have hard times to get to these attractions. D- am I going to Disneyland or am I back in college? Mm-hmm. Right. Scheduled out. Well, I got a literature class at 4.15. <laughs> hey, man, hey, Jerry, we can hang out for a little bit because my social class doesn't start till like 7.30. So yeah. what do you want to do? Uh, yeah, see, that's why I... It- yeah, obviously changes are coming. You know, it has to be different to in order to open sooner than when it's absolutely safe. That that just doesn't seem possible. You know, is it like guided tours now? Right, you just get taken around. Your group gets taken around by someone who says, "Okay, we're all going to go on Space Mountain at this time, but let's stay away 
until it's time for us to go on Space Mountain. We're all going to only eat at this restaurant because that was part of your package that you purchased with your ticket. You know, maybe oh, yeah. you know, something you. like that. I, again, it's it's such a different... Philander for the rest of us. Yeah, totally. So I don't know. Like, Instead of like, Philander Butler, it's Philander Budget. <laughs> <laughs> like, how do you change that whole concept of, of going to the park? And like, you, it seems like you can't have lines. There's no way to maintain those lines now, right? Well, that's the other thing. We will be looking at a park that has space marks, so you always know where your six feet is. But when we think about how the attractions are designed and really going into where the park was at the last couple of years, looking at Project Stardust, they have been trying to figure out how to make the lines more immersive, more fun, Mm -hmm. more engaging, because if the walkways are all full of people, they've been thinking about maybe getting rid of fast pass so that you could have more people over in the lines. And, you know, look at the ticketing system that they came up with, Rise. It was absolutely genius. Right. Absolutely genius that, yeah, it sucks if you don't get one. You and I both know how that feels. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But when you do get one, you have your day locked in. You know when your boarding group is. You know when you need to go there. But people still just hang out in front of the attraction all afternoon. It's like Disney made this to where you could go do whatever you want. But people still love to stand in front of Rise and be like, we're only 15 boarding groups away. Like, yeah. Go do that. And have a Ronto wrap. Right. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> right. Go enjoy. It's a small world. That's what's so, interesting, too, about this time, though, is they could probably, you know, I mean, on the business side of things, right, use this time to say, how do we study sort of the uh, the breaking point for a lot of this, right? Like, right. Like, what is people's tolerance for, for that, for, for scheduling out your full day? And, and and what is the disappointment level when you, you jump on to do your family vacation and you don't get the thing that you want and is this like when we start switching over to something like magic bands that controls the flow of the guest to a you know a predetermined schedule and stuff like that which i'm sure they're they're considering all of this stuff like we might as well test this while expectations are extremely low and and everyone's just kind of holding their breath waiting to see what the solution will be and obviously there will be some good things and some terrible things that just don't don't happen. But what valuable information is because we'll never have this kind of downtime ever. Hopefully, oh, no. never again. Oh yeah, I hope, I pray, I, and that's why I get so upset with people that are that are rushing back into yes. normalcy because it'll be devastating if everything has to shut a second time. Mm-hmm. And I, I really think that's what people are flirting with. So when we look at this, possibly booking things ahead of time. Yeah. I mean, I guess the good news is is you know what you're going into. You know you're locked and loaded in for what attractions you want to do. But then also think about, you know, you, you, you get in, they're like, okay, cool, we got approved for Thursday. Mm-hmm. We didn't get Rise. We didn't get Smugglers. It looks like it's a Jungle <laughs> Cruise day for the family. So, you know, that adds a little bit of weirdness. But there is, on a plus side, if we do go over to a boarding group thing, whether it's the night before or when you walk through the gate, if you only have six hours, you'll be spending very little of that six hours standing in line, and you'll be spending very little of that six hours in congested areas of the park. Right. So it's it's not all bad. I mean, we're losing a little bit of the sponta- spontaneity. Mm-hmm. We're, lo- we're losing a little bit of the adventure. Yes. <laughs> okay. And doing it on the fly, but we're also gaining a little bit of 
the thing that you and I love, which is the vibes, the right. quiet spots. and the, So you kind of know what you're into. And then the other factor is going to be this. You're going to be looking at less riders per cart. Right. You know, yes. they're no longer going to like tell you to get into the dead center of the room right. when it starts stretching. They're going to be like, everybody just kind of hang out where you want to hang out right. Right. in the Haunted Mansion when you're taking the elevator down. You know, so did I just spoil that for everybody? But here's the thing. <laughs> you know, you're also looking at cast members that mm-hmm. when we get done doing whatever we did, there's going to be a new cast member that, that takes the Clorox mm-hmm. wipe and swoops the bar and make sure that it's somewhat sanitized for the next group that comes in. So I think that you could also be looking at no more single rider lines because they're going to want those spaces right. open. So like something like Radiator Racers, two in the front, two in the back, the middle seat is going to be open. I mean, and there is also, so we're coming at it, obviously, for people who are just dying to get back to Disneyland. Um, and there's a lot of us, pass holders, like we said, I, I am concerned about sort of the economic effects of this thing, too, where when a downturn happens, just fewer people will come to the park in general. So if anything is more difficult or, or, or um, uncertain, it just doesn't even get put in. You know, everyone's not dying to get into Disneyland uh, like we are. So I am I am concerned about that. And so, you know, maybe that makes it easier because it's a very specific crowd. Now you're you're catering to that's more understanding right. of this. But um yeah, overall, like there's so many factors to consider in this. If people are just like, no, we're not, of course we're not going to go, and and I don't know. Do you feel personally um, like a, a, a risk factor for you? Do you feel like, oh, that's not safe. I'm not going to ride that ride, or I won't do that thing uh, once they open. Yeah, I mean, I think because it's there's a combination here mm-hmm. of California being overly cautious and not letting people just going guns a blazing which i think works well for us and then disney knows the price of their brand Mm -hmm. and they know what they represent to people and i think that if there's any company that's going to be maybe overly cautious right it's going to be disney for sure in particular disneyland because it's just a different mindset out here so i think that they're not going to risk it and i also think that the way that i use the park makes me feel safe for going when they decide it's safe for me to show up Mm -hmm. because I use the park in a very different way than most people and I won't be in these sort of you know I'm not gonna be the guy that's like not only did I ride Nemo eight times but I licked my seat because I don't (laughs) care I don't believe in any of this so you know I have a very different idea on how I use the park now something they have announced and kind of flirted with that I think is an up sell or a plus is let's look at the entertainment offerings Mm -hmm. as you know i'm a who knew this about me i hate broadway i hate musicals but i happen to love disney shows yes i love the parades i love the fireworks you know that i'm always like can like always kind of come up with a plan like well let's just stay here because it'd be too hard (laughs) to get on the other side of phantasmic so let's just hang out here with our beignets and then we'll get over there in a little bit like i always fool everybody into doing the nighttime shows but we're looking at pop-up events. Mm. So instead of telling everybody, by the way, fireworks are at 9.30, which the crowd starts to build at 7.45, right. you'll just be cruising around and all of a sudden, the fireworks just go off. Mm. Or 
you'll just be cruising around and all of a sudden you hear the beat of the drum and the parade is just taken off. Right. So they're thinking about doing these pop-up events that aren't on the calendar. So therefore, you catch it when you catch it. Mm-hmm. And that would eliminate, like, yeah, people would mask, like, oh, here comes the parade. But if the parade's just starting now, only so many people can get over there. I think this will add a complete level of magic where getting to see a parade or getting to see the fireworks is like winning a lottery and it'll feel even more special like oh my god we just got out of pirates and i i can see sorcerer mickey over on the island like they're getting ready to do phantasmic mm-hmm. this is amazing i'm doing all this with my fingers right now you can see me acting up the water show with my fingers Oh, 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 he's down. Oh, my gosh. There's a lot going on here, folks. It's not all great, uh, but it's happening. Yeah. Yeah, I just fell out of my chair so I could do the Mickey falling through the hole and right. then pop it back up. It works really well for audio. I'm sure everybody's enjoying it right <laughs> Visuals. now. Oh, gosh. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, I I just don't see how that's going to happen. Like, every cast member, it's now going to be like the cast member when Fantasmic is going off, right? Someone's going to be constantly screaming at you to keep moving on. You cannot stand here. You cannot group here. Like, keep going. Go over there. If you want, if you need to rest, you need to go to the rest center or something like that. So I I just don't see how you can get even a small group in there and not have it just be, you know, a free-for-all. Like, you look at the people now, even, like, Beaches aren't open, and the beaches are crowded, right? So they open the beaches. Um, I feel like it's the same way. Maybe Disney invests in ventilators as a way to prepare for this as opposed to... <laughs> no, no, no. Saying, Dude, don't stay, stay six feet apart. Here's what Disneyland has going for them that, that California or no other state has going mm-hmm. for them. In California, and when you go into Disneyland, it is this bizarro 85 acres where we go, hey, man, I respect masking tape on the ground. Mm. Hmm? There ain't anything that masking tape on the ground at Disneyland can't fix, right? Like, think about it. When you're there and you see the tape, and you're going like, whoa. Something, like it, yeah. It stops you dead. Like, they know that masking tape on the ground is like, hey, man, it's Disneyland. I don't want to lose my pass. I don't want to make it uncomfortable for anybody. So I think that the, the pop-up shows could be really cool. Another thing that they're going to do, I know they're doing this over in Asia. I would assume that it would happen over here is changing the way the character meet and greets work. So (laughs) instead of standing in a line, getting to go up to some poor human that is just getting abused by like, you know, 40 people every 10 minutes, um, characters are going to pop up in areas and, you know, dance or interact. So the way that I imagine this is instead of the stormtroopers being bombarded, you know, like they are in Galaxy's Edge Mm -hmm. and, and everybody running up to them, they would use the upper levels, right? So once again, seeing what we've learned from uh, Galaxy's Edge and moving that over to the rest of the park. So maybe we might just be walking through the French Quarter and then we see Mickey and Minnie out on the balcony waving at us. Right. So everybody gets to get a pick. Everybody gets to yell, Mickey, Mickey. You know, we might see somebody pop up on one of the balconies over in Adventureland mm-hmm. or we might see somebody actually use one of the balconies we were talking about in Fantasyland. So I think we will still see the characters, but they'll be positioned in places that makes it safe for the cast member and eliminates that crowding, that waiting in line, the trying to get a hug, trying to get the perfect pick. So I think once again, we see this shift, which 
I'm kind of excited about this one because I think it might make for a little bit more of a magic moment. Mm. Well, it'll certainly um, make it more creative, right? Like yeah. a, a change in the model that we've seen for the past few years. That'll be... Oh, that's kind of sad, though, isn't it? Like, that's such a sad change. Oh, like, so <laughs> bummed about this one. He, guys, hey, everybody who's listening, he just threw his little autograph book down on his desktop. He's so frustrated. <laughs> and I'm not even big on these these character meet and greets myself, but they're, they're such a meaningful thing to so many people. Like, that, I think, is the most personal feeling, probably, for a lot of people, to see these characters but not be able to get close to them or... I but don't know. imagine the memory. There's a memory as a kid mm-hmm. of going up to Mickey Mouse and being afraid of him. Yeah. But there's another memory of seeing him waving to you from the train station, mm-hmm. which I think is a pretty good memory, too, because the meet and greet is the moment you're like, like my niece was like, Minnie Mouse couldn't talk to me because their head's made out of wood. <laughs> right? <laughs> right. But if she saw Minnie Mouse out in the water of... You know, not just like drowning in the water. There's Minnie Mouse cruised by in a boat of Rivers of America, yeah, uh, or over into Paradise Pier and waved at her. That's like, whoa! I remember seeing them just cruising around on their boat. So I think this is a way to maybe being positive. I think there's a way to put a little bit more magic into the characters because we're just seeing them living in Disneyland versus just sitting waiting there mm. to serve us. Maybe they just put them on that boat. Then they can control how many people get on that boat so they know, all right, this many people can get on. We can keep them this far apart. You can have your picture. People aren't crowding around on the sides watching this thing because we're on the rivers of America going around. And by yeah. the time you're done, everyone had their picture and you can get off. And, and that's how they control whatever 30 people 50 people at, at one time so like creative solutions like that that could be interesting that could be something that actually lives on because you know if i get on this character cruise i'm, I'm gonna get to meet this many characters or something like that but um and i just think too the the, the photo options of yeah. seeing the characters in these moments like i i actually feel like this one and the randomizing of the shows and by the way when the park fo- first opens up there will be no shows. Right, there won't be a parade. Right. There won't be a fireworks. But as it moves forward, they're thinking about if we randomize it, how many people can gather as sort of a, a, a public health concern. So, you know, I think some of these are pretty good uh, workarounds. As we talked about at the beginning of the show, you know, this is working within like some sort of creative restriction. Like, how do you find a creative solution? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, design is problem solving. Uh, but one of the things that is a problem they can't solve is just some areas of the park will be closed. Some attractions will not open up. Like the submarines, I don't think anybody wants to go on that suicide pack. Uh, the shows, you know, like Mr. Lincoln, like being inside of a theater mm-hmm. or, you know, seeing Frozen over in DCA. Like, right. I think some of those type of things, that's just not going to happen for quite a while. I would imagine. I mean, I'm sure there's. Uh, I mean, if if just lining up is a problem, then anything where you're 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 in a contained area and, and sitting down and and, I mean, although the seated areas you could control a lot easier than than a queue Spread area, the seats. yeah, and a ride even. You're not you're not in that proximity, but I I don't know what the solution is there. Like, what's the safe stuff that you know you you keep open and stuff? I'm even curious to see when they open downtown Disney. Uh, retail and restaurants, even on that level, which which will probably serve as a huge test as to how much, you know, like the minute they open that thing, too many people are going to show up, right? They're going to have to probably turn people away because they're like, 
this is what we plan for. This is how many people we think it's safe. And you know, people are just going to be itching to get back as soon as they possibly can, especially us Southern California people sure. who are just looking for any excuse to to, to go there. Um, oh, I'm ready for some salt and straw, dog. Yeah, exactly. So, so I don't know. How do you see that happening with with even downtown and restaurants? Restaurants are easy because you can just say, well, half capacity and, and whatever. But everything else with the shopping and people are just going to want to be there and, and walk around. Yeah. Yeah. So so DCA will for sure, or I'm sorry, uh, Downtown Disney will for sure open up before the parks. Mm-hmm. And we are seeing an announcement that I believe that Disney Springs is opening up uh, May 15th. Mm. So the middle of this month, Disney Springs will be open. And we saw, forgive me for not knowing the names of them, but we saw the shopping areas of some of the Asian parks mm-hmm. opening up before the actual parks. Right. Did. So that seems to be sort of the, the soft launch. You know, let's get some revenue in. Let's test some of our equipment let's get some things going i mean downtown disney is fun but it is always the foreplay for something greater right. and so <laughs> just going to do that desperate times desperate measures but right i am the guy who still once a week yes drives a lap around the park just to see it and by the way this week now that the sun's staying out longer and longer i did my lap at sunset this time and on Space Mountain's birthday, yeah, I got to see the beautiful spires of Space Mountain with that California sun where it was just a, a nice black vector silhouette mm-hmm. of Space Mountain. Yeah. And, and, you know, a lot of times it's pretty dark. I got to like everything when I drove around was the perfect lighting. It was just the silhouette of everything. Yeah. Um so Beautiful. now that you're cheating on me with other hosts, I don't I don't know that um, you've mentioned this specifically or not. But when you do your laps now, what does that constitute? Like, where where do you if you want to divulge this Jared, information? Jared, Jared, jealousy makes you look so gross, my friend. <laughs> I've taken on other Disney lovers and walked around Paradise Pier with them. Your, your jealousy does not look good on you. It's not. It doesn't serve you well. Kingdom of cute. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Um, so the. The lap now yeah. is, you know, I record a podcast in the city of Orange every mm-hmm. week. Right. So where I go to record that podcast in the city of Orange, and it's recorded in a backyard, socially distant, actually all of my co-hosts, I gave them their own microphone and cords. So I show up, I put the recorder on a table, everybody plugs in, I have a 15-foot long line for my headphones, mm-hmm. everybody has 25-foot long lines for the mics, so we're sitting very far from each other, but through microphones and headphones, we can hear each other. Mm-hmm. So I'm doing that. So that already puts me, if I want to be in Anaheim, I have a reason to go to Anaheim every week. Right. So what I generally, generally do is I just drive the outer perimeter. I do Ball, Disney Way, Catella, uh, and Harbor. And I pray for catching red lights. Yeah. But they have the lights time to turn red very very seldom in fact i think disney way those lights are just full-on green all the time because mm. i i do this once or twice a week and i haven't hit a light on disney way yet i typically have security trucks that pull behind me that just kind of monitor what i'm doing hmm. um but really what you can see is you can see the top of the pixar pal around you know the mickey fun wheel yeah you can see the top of the screen tubes. You can see the rear silhouette of the radiator uh, mountain, mm-hmm. radiator racer mountain. You can obviously see Tower of Terror. That's basically what you can see from DCA. Right. And then when you go around the other side, you can catch a glimpse of 
silhouette of Matterhorn, Space Mountain, and the spires of the galaxy's edge are, right. are pretty right. easy to capture. Um, if you kind of look for it, you can just see a nook of it's a small world, yeah. right? When you're on harbor going over the highway. Uh, but I just, I do that lap. I uh, play, when can we do this again? <laughs> I choke up a little bit. Sure. Some some weeks, it's like, yeah, look at you. I love you, girl. And then other weeks, it's just like, it really does break my heart that there's just not like people in the street. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. it should be flooded with people that are having like this, you know, because like one of the things I love about Disneyland is watching other people love it. Mm-hmm. And many of my times that I get choked up, it's complete strangers that I see getting lost in the moment. Like, right. that's amazing. It's amazing that they're each 90 and they're wearing bride and groom mickey and Minnie ears and they're <laughs> right. riding their little scooters like holding hands like i saw that and it made me cry like a baby you know total strangers is the tra- what's the traffic like around around the resort here i know i'm sure Nothing. it's not like what it normally is but is there still Nothing. sort of a city traffic kind of going around there a very very loose city mm-hmm. traffic in fact disney way is hardly any car it's normally me in the security truck yeah yeah and you know how those airplanes like fly in tandem like way too close (laughs) that's how they like escort me down and you know on that route i get to see the grand californian sits right on the road so you get to see that you get to see unfortunately you get to see the paradise pier hotel um and you get to drive under kind of where downtown disney is you get to see the lego dragon you get to see the the towers of the Disneyland Hotel, and then over on Catella, you get to see the Frontier Tower, which they have half of it's lit up in the shape of a heart, mm-hmm. and then the other half is shaped uh, Mickey shape. It sort just of breaks descend- my heart to see that, doesn't it? Like it's so sweet and it's so nice, and it means like yeah, it doesn't. Yeah, it's just such a sweet little thing to see, and it makes me miss it all the more. So generally, what I do is when I go to do this recording, yeah, I take Catella from Long Beach to uh anaheim (laughs) just because i don't i just like to drive i just like to be out of my car and so then when i hit catella i see the disneyland hotel and Mm -hmm. so i do that loop normally around sunset and then generally like at one o'clock in the morning when i'm coming back home i do the second loop and the second loop at 1 a.m is for sure when i'm followed by the security guards Yeah, yeah 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 i'm sure but um the bad thing about going to why I would recommend people like it's not really worth going out of your way mm-hmm. is because there's zero places where you could park and rip a pick. Right, right. So if you think you're going to go and park and like run out and like do a selfie in front of the sign, it's it's not going to happen because all the hotels are shut down. All the um, businesses are waiting for people to do these things. They have like those water barricades mm-hmm. blocked. Like you're not going to pull over and get a pick. So. It's a it's a drive by for sure, and you're probably not going to catch a red light. So, I filmed it the first couple of times just to show people proof of my lunacy. But now, these laps are just for me. Are you able to walk into at all close to the gates anymore, or or is that sort of blocked off? So, if you were a pedestrian, yeah, and your vehicle was placed someplace, and you were to walk up, right. You could walk the outer perimeter for sure. You could ride your bike around the outer perimeter. Mm. It's just, where would you put your car? You'd have to park blocks away 
to be able to walk up and actually do a walking lap mm-hmm. of the park. And then it gets dicey because of the way that the backside of the park, you know, because you have to walk over the five to yeah. get back over to Ball Road. So it's a little right. bit dicey over there. But I had my biggest run in was that full on security guards yell at me for getting out of my car and taking photos of the parked buses way 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 over on ball like mm. way on the other side of harbor yeah um and they're like hey you can't be here i'm like all right i'm just taking photos of buses that everybody can see from the street yeah but whatever i'm not gonna i'm not gonna argue right you know? right 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 so that's the loop but so getting back into our content yeah the part that i say for last is the personal requirements and i'm totally cool with going through security if that keeps Disneyland safe and mm-hmm. I'm cool with them shooting my temperature and they're going to be like this guy's hot this is a hot dude <laughs> seriously a hot dude strong seven of a dude I bet he was really hot when he was younger and didn't start to look like old trash but I'm cool with them walking through and be like this guy's hot but what if I hit 100.5 and they say you sir you're too hot yes. you gotta go home right and imagine this is the biggest gamble mm-hmm family buys tickets yep they reserve everything and they go there and one person in the family mom you're too hot yeah well thank you no seriously you're too hot you got to get out of line you can't go into the park that would be devastating to get hit with the 100.5 that's why i'm wondering how that works exactly again if you're southern california maybe it's not as big of a deal but if you're coming from out of town and, and you're doing this sort of limited day anyway to be told oh i'm sorry today you can't come in or the kid can't come in or something like that uh i that seems like a nightmare doesn't it i mean maybe eventually you get used to it after a few months or years of doing it this way but uh initially that's got to be just like everything's dependent on that then so i'm not trying to be my usual like rude self okay i i'm curious if you were a woman that was going through menopause okay. and you were having hot flashes. Do you just feel hot or does your temperature actually spike? Right. Because that could be devastating to be like, oh, you're telling me I can't go in there with my grandkids and now I have to be like, I'm going through menopause. Like, you know what I mean? Like, right, right. Well, any fluctuation, a, right? What and- a complete invasion of privacy to have to have that conversation. And then how could you prove it? Yeah. Exactly. So yeah, that's why it's a it's such a touchy thing, and, and and especially in our day and age, when when it doesn't take much to get people to fly off the handle and, and feel personally attacked, and rights are being taken away, and things like that, it just seems like such a such a can of worms for for that. Um, but every everything would right like there's nothing else that wouldn't feel that invasive saying like oh you need to have a an app or a certificate that says you were tested or you know what I mean so. It's that kind of stuff that just, it walks that weird line for everybody. If a face mask is required. Right. Does that ruin it for you? Because walking around with a face mask on is, it it just constantly, it's a constant, like I wear one when I go out, Mm -hmm. but it's a constant reminder of what we're living through right now. Mm. And I don't know if I want to be sitting on my bench listening to that beautiful serenade of a soundtrack and also tasting the same cup of coffee over and over and over (laughs) again as I'm eating my own breath. And also, how do I get my Gibson girl 
yeah. when I have my mask on. Like, right. what, am I just dropping scoops inside the mask? So now my my Mickey mask is just oozing of mint chocolate chip. It's coming well, out of the side. So that's what I mean with a lot of these these safety precautions. I think again, I think they're more just psychological, right? We're, we're, you know, like if you're going to come into the park, you're going to have to eat or drink, so you're going to have to touch that mask. You're going to have to pull that mask down. Do all the things that we're not supposed to do with the mask. And so you know, are you knocking down the effectiveness of this? Every single action that you do. By constantly shuffling it around and moving it. Right, right. So then it's just more that we're like, oh, we're just being uh, cautious, right? Like it's a badge you're wearing saying like, I'm aware, I I am conscious of what's happening. It seems like it's doing that more than it is protecting anybody. This is when I also have to put out a disclaimer that Jared has official Disney master being sold with his artwork on it. That's right. He's probably getting some sort of royalties, so you really can't trust his mask advice whatsoever. Buy one and then buy another one to keep in the package safe as a collector. That's my <laughs> that's my advice. <laughs> MIB or what is it? MIP mint in package. <laughs> so the face mask. I'm cool to temperature read. The face mask would be. Uh, I'll do it if I have to. Right. But I'm I'm not a fan of that because if I go out without a face mask on. Mm-hmm. I'm an adult. I don't have to touch my face. But if I wear a face mask, I end up touching my face yeah. several times. Several yeah. times. Because yep. I'm moving around and also like my beard sticks out of the holes. Yep. So then it looks like I have these like Cheetos that are just hanging out on the side <laughs> of my face, which then makes me hungry for Cheetos. But it's also Obviously, like, um, like I, I start breathing differently than I do if I don't have the mask on. Right? I start breathing heavier for some reason and it's all hot. It gets kind of wet. And you also I know. feel like you run hotter, right? I'm going to yeah. get the 105. <laughs> You listen to 100.5 Disneyland Radio. Hey, you're too hot. You are not coming in. Rise of the Resistance coming up right now. Up next, we've got Smuggler's Run. It's a Star Wars Tuesday. So how fearful are you? I mean, in general, not not from a Disneyland perspective, but when you go out, uh, you know, you just do your normal errands, whether that's going to the grocery store or anything like that. And I think a lot of this plays into sort of the psychology of how people are going to react to going back into public. I know we're all itching for things to go back to normal, but it won't be normal. It'll just be that restrictions are lifted. Like for you on a day-to-day basis, though, is this stressful for you? Do you feel like, well, if I get it, I'll be okay? Or like, what's your kind of mindset when it comes to this, uh, you know, day-to-day stuff? So there was a moment when I was like, really, we have to do this? Mm -hmm. And I spent like two weeks really buckled down. Yeah. But then... You have to go out and get supplies. Right. And I didn't go out and do anything silly. Right. I mean, I remember that first weekend we went and ate breakfast at a local restaurant, Mm -hmm. supporting a small business, ate ate breakfast here in the neighborhood. And Beth goes, I bet this is the last restaurant we eat in for a while. And Uh she totally nailed it. So there was a moment, and I consume a lot of news. I'll admit that. It's my job. I mean, I'm talking all day long. I have to know what's going on. So I consume way more news than your average person does. And there was... A moment where I felt like, because I've I haven't been to a major grocery store. Yeah, uh, I've done one drive-through, and it was because I feel like I can trust In and Out, and mm. they're, you know, they're not all franchised out. They're not running on tight margins. Like In and Out is still a family business, and they run it. I think with a level of complete respect. So I've done In and Out drive-through, but other than like pre-ordering Starbucks and just grabbing it from the little counter by the door. Mm. I've done all of my groceries have been delivered to the house. So the only stores I've really been in are neighborhood corner stores. Mm. 
there's two corner stores where I live. They're like family owned. They're not on busy streets. Yeah. So it's just neighborhood people going in there for bread or milk or, or the odds and ends. And there was a moment where I felt like, do I really need a coffee? Is it worth risking my life? Right. And right. I've gotten over that. And I feel at this moment pretty comfortable being out in public. But I do yield to others. Yeah. I'm, I'm constantly... And a first-person shooter of a game. Right. You know what I'm like? Oh, they're <laughs> right, too close. Right. They're too close. They're too close. Like, the screen flashes red when somebody's coming up behind <laughs> yeah. you. Yeah. So I, I do manage the road, but I also do feel a level of frustration by people that aren't taking this serious. Like, for example, Sunday, we pre-ordered coffees. Yeah. Went to support one of our favorite small coffee shops mm-hmm. here. And there's two young ladies that didn't have a mask. I was wearing mine. Mm-hmm. They didn't have a mask on their human. They didn't have it down around their neck or on their chin or in their back pocket. They were maskless. And they had pre-ordered their coffee, and they decided to wait right in front of the door. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So everyone else that had to go get their order, too, had right. to step within two feet of them because they decided that's where they were going to stop and have their conversation. Right. So those moments are frustrating when, like, I'm living a life of sacrifice. I wish you were on my team. Yes, I agree. So that, I that's where I'm at agree. mentally right now. Yeah, and so that's I think I think a lot of people are probably there, right? There's extremes, obviously, um, but that is my concern with opening the parks too soon, or, or, or even me going back to the parks too soon. I, I'm probably right there with you. Like I don't want to overreact and be like a crazy person, but I don't want to underreact and act like well I'm just about getting the economy back. Obviously, we all want the economy to come back and sure. stuff like that. But I want it to come back. In the safest way possible. That's right. Because I really think a second shutdown in late summer, early fall will be devastating. Right. Exactly. Exactly. It'll just it'll just extend it, and it'll be worse than than we could possibly imagine. So I'm right there with you in the middle. That, that those are my concerns with Disneyland is that it's that you've got that gambit of people that that are going to take it seriously and not seriously at all. Um, and, yes. and how do you deal with that? And then. People are complaining to cast members like that guy doesn't have a mask on, or I saw that guy do this, and and just all of that stuff. I I just I have such a hard time envisioning what that's going to look like and, and how it changes things sort of permanently. Does this change our general behavior out in public? Do you cover your mouth more than you ever would because you still see like I hear someone coughing right now outside. And I'm horrified, right? Whereas before, I, I probably wouldn't the- even thought twice about it. Now I'm like, oh my gosh, what is he doing? I so went to one of these local stores. Yeah, yeah. And there was an older guy in there without a mask, and he like coughed and hacked like that <laughs> that old guy rattle. And yeah. I literally was so offended. Like you would have, I had a look on my face like somebody came into the bank with a gun. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like exactly. I was like that. Like what are you doing? That's outside of the rules. And here's the thing: Disneyland has always suffered from VIDs. Very important Disney years. You know what I mean? People that think they're above the rules. <laughs> right, right, right. It's always suffered from that. Yeah. Because that, what do we know about the human species? There's always a guy with the shaving canister that breaks Jurassic Park for the rest of us. That's right. That's right. Right? So we're always looking for Newman in every situation. Newman always breaks it for everyone. Right. By the way, Star Wars fun fact for you. When Force Awakens opened, I set elbow to elbow with Newman from Seinfeld. Did you say and it? I, no. God, <laughs> could you imagine how annoyed he must be by that? But I, I leaned over to Sean Mort and I go, look, this guy already ruined 
Jurassic Park for us all. <laughs> if he talks through this movie or makes noise or farts or whatever, like I'm going to be so bummed out. Like you already took away dinosaurs, and now you ruined my new Star Wars. <laughs> oh, so yeah, I do think that you bring up an excellent point that Disneyland will work as well as the guests' behavior works. Yeah. And there's always people that think they're above the rules. There's always people that think the rules don't apply to them. You've seen my Disneyland behavior. I'm always trying to get that button. Citizenship still pending. Yes. So, I don't know, man. I think you have to go there with even more patience that you had before. Because before, it was just like, you have to have patience because it's Christmas and everybody wants to see the tree and everybody wants to do this. But now it's a different type of pandemic patience, which is a different part of your brain. They'll do the best they can, but largely it will rely on us. So here's the good news. Okay. Good news is no more submarines. See you later. (laughs) Good news is no more crowding of the the thoroughfares for late night shows. Mm -hmm. You know when it's almost like someone's like, I want a corn dog. You're like, are you crazy? Yeah. You want to cross Main Street to get a corn dog? Right. I'll see you in two hours, bud. That's gone. Another good news is there's probably more souls added to the Haunted Mansion. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Dark humor. Dark, dark humor. But I just, I think that we will have to go with new expectations. Mm. I wanted to do this episode because I think that we should get prepared to have new expectations. Mm -hmm. And I love the park as much as anybody, maybe more than anybody. Yep. Well, that Philander guy is always competing with me. Oh, Philander. I'll love it more than him. Yeah, I'll prove everybody right. He's your Newman. Newman. (laughs) Philander. (laughs) So, I mean, you know, he does have that cape, the plaid cape that gives him all the access. But I do think that um, it was important to have this conversation because Mm -hmm. we should all get prepared that it's going to be different. Yeah. And maybe we've only got two details right, or maybe we're 20 for 20 and we have them all right. But I think you should be mentally prepared to go there with a, a different outlook and, and a different sort of behavior. And we never talked about this on Disneyland for designers because I didn't want to talk about this on the show, right. but the fight that happened last year in Toontown, I think that that shows the fundamental problem with Disneyland is that everybody goes there expecting everyone else to be on their best behavior. Mm. And when you see the horrific acts of that family and how long that domestic abuse, that fight went on in, in Toontown. Mm-hmm. The one part of the park that is supposed to be designated for children, like that might even look like a cantina brawl that rolled out into the galaxy's edge. But in Toontown for that to happen, that fight went on six minutes too many because at Disneyland, there's a weirdness of like, whose job is it to tell him he's not wearing his mask? Mm-hmm. Whose whose job is it to tell him that, that he's breaking the rules, that he's standing on my heels? The cast members are great at reinforcing the magic. They have an uphill battle on enforcing the rules. And I understand the Catch-22 that is being a cast member. So when we look at the, the brawl in Toontown, a horrible thing that many of us thought I didn't think that was possible to happen there mm-hmm. you would have thought that one person throws a blow and a security guard comes out of a bush and that thing gets shut down so when we see 
that sort of horrendous behavior and how it went on to beat too long, I think Disney really is going to have to work on how do they get their staff trained to deal with problems that break out and deal with them in a very efficient manner because that was a total collapse of the security and safety of Disneyland and we can't have those type of situations in the future. For sure. I, I would agree with you in that, but I, what I'd also add to that is that uh, something like that, um, and we've talked about this before at length, but how it did seem shocking. Where It was shocking for a lot of reasons, but... yes. That you saw that at Disneyland was what was shocking. If this were, like we said, anywhere else, if this were Universal Studios, if this was uh, Six Flags. It was at a mall. Right, right, right. It it would seem normal. It's great that it still feels very strange to see something like that happen. And that we're not seeing this all the time. This isn't something that happens daily or or anything. Uh, Most people, I think, go with unusually good intentions Intentions. and good behavior i mean i've been to the park 500 times and have only seen two arrests and i mean they were buttoned up and sewn up to where i literally just saw the guy with his hands behind his back being escorted by officers right right. like i didn't see i haven't seen any unruly behavior i haven't seen anybody throw a punch i mean 500 visits and most of the time always at night yeah. That, I think, goes to show the record that the Disneyland security and the cast members have. I, I think with Disneyland, one of the one of the few places where a lot of it comes down to courtesy, uh, not yes. rules. Not We're not fighting because we're told not to fight. No, it's because of a general courtesy. Um, and I think if we can see more of that, I think we're going to have to see that with these cases where it's a much more social thing than it is like a safety thing because... Even if someone's wearing a mask, that doesn't guarantee anything. It, it's a right. social construct that we're right. looking at here. And I think Disney does that better. I think it, they would be the easiest ones to sort of, uh, not peer pressure, but just the fact that they're saying, like, we're requiring masks. It's going to be easier to enforce here out of a goodwill than anywhere else, uh, the, any big public gathering place. So it, it enforces that that's the great thing about Disneyland and sort of Disney in general. Um but I think it will still raise challenges of, of general things. If we keep it from being a political statement or a stance, yes. then I think we're good. Uh, because once it goes that direction, then it, all is lost. But and you know, from just Disney, a courtesy stance. So. In, in Disneyland and their cast members and their team there, they have created a product that makes us want to be better people. Mm-hmm. Right? Like It brings out the best in us. And I saw one of the cast members one day masterfully... It was on Veterans Day. I went to specifically to see the flag ceremony. Right. And the the cast member that runs that show Mm -hmm. had a woman come up to him and say, why don't you guys thank the president in that show? Like, like I'm a little bit let down that you guys think the the different armed services, but you didn't thank the president by name. Like, you didn't mention him. And he's like, well, you know... We try not to get political. We try to just celebrate the heritage of the military and blah, blah, blah. We, you know, everybody has different opinions, and so we just try to do something. And he handled her in a masterful way. Yeah. And that is a very awkward conversation to have with somebody who just doesn't understand how highly inappropriate that is. Mm-hmm. I went over to City Hall that day and said, look, the guy that runs the the, 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 uh, the, the flag ceremony. Right. I mean, he's doing a tremendous job. I mean, it's amazing. He handles bizarro requests. But I think that that little incident right there, it goes to show that 
they put a lot of work in to making sure that we all feel this way. I feel bad for them because this adds even more work on their shoulders to try to keep yes. that, that safety. And, you know, like, look at our friends that work there. You don't you don't see it in any of their personalities that they want to be the guy that has to walk up to somebody and say, hey, can you pull your face mask up? Or mm-hmm. you're, looking, you're looking like you might be past 100.5. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. It, so it, it crosses a lot of barriers, but... You know, if I have faith in any company to be able to do it, it's them. And I wanted to do this episode because I wanted to sort of encourage everybody to get ready to go there with a different mindset. Mm -hmm. So as we wrap up today, I want to know, have you had your Disney breakdown? Like, have you, are you just like, well, whatever, when it opens, it opens. Like, I have full on had a couple of moments where it's made me full on like cry that it's not there for me and for everybody else. I um like it's so multifaceted for me because my work is so tied up with the company to uh, what I do uh, and then my you're emotion. losing money every day that the parks for are sure for sure and that's not the only the only aspect of it like I love this park I love what it represents and you know there's been a lot of because of the press the way it is they there's a lot of dark talk right like oh if Disney continues yeah. like this they can only go for three months and then they're going to declare bankruptcy you know a lot of that's just sort of alarmist stuff. But so there's this big sort of general stress over over how things will change. And, and then part of me is just sort of interested in the show aspect of it. Like, I'm so curious to see what's going to happen, right? Like, I, right. I might not want to go back to the movie theaters the minute they open, but I kind of want to go back to Disneyland the way the day it opens because I want to see what they're doing and how I'm they're, there how day they're dealing with this. I'm there day one. Yeah. I am 100%. I will be there day one to be a part of it. And like, I'm going to, you know, I'm sure there, that might be an argument between my wife and I of right, how right. safe that is. I'm like, look, you got to let it have this. I will, I'm not going to take the tram in. I'll walk, like, I'll take every measure to do it as safe as I need to. But I, I need to do a lap and I need to sit on a bench in that park. Right, right. I mean, I need it bad right now. And I think bad. that's exactly who will be back right away is pass holders and, and the people that are just yeah locals like we said and people who are just so passionate about the part they just want to feel that they want to smell main street you know we're okay if space mountain is down we're not gonna you know that's not gonna ruin our day or anything like that so i think that's what and, and that might be great right because that puts everybody in the mood and everyone's there because they really want to be and not because we had a reservation Dude, that we're gonna do it if they did a ticket where they're like it's no rides it's just yep. some food and music, but you can come and walk around and treat Disneyland like a park hard in. Yep. Hard in. And if they're like, we can't even, we'll add, we, we won't count these days on your pass, but you have to pay money to go hard in. Yep. Yep. I'd pay 200 bucks right now just to walk. I mean, I'd pay more than that, but <laughs> I, I would pay whatever to go in there and walk around. But I mean, I, I had a moment. Yeah. I've had a couple of moments where it just like, chokes me up that it's not there but i had a full-on moment and music's sneaky right Mm. you know when somebody that you love dies and obviously you're sad at the funeral and you're sad when you're told the the news and the younger the person is the more it compounds the sadness because we expect grandma's not going to make it through our whole life but somebody you go to high school with when you're in high school yes you know a car accident a suicide your age or younger See, you know, like, oh my gosh, that seems like it's, it w- awakens something else. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There has been an awakening. <laughs> and it's music, right? It's like, 
you you grieve at oh my god this person's not with us anymore mm-hmm. and you grieve at the funeral but there's normally that like two or three weeks later that you're living your life and a song yes. just sucker punches you yes I was listening to this amazing song by The Weeknd called Blinding Lights and it's a great song it yeah. sounds like it's from the 80s right. He's, his voice is as good as Michael Jackson's yeah. and he sings in that same register but he doesn't have the the speculation that MJ had um, although MJ did build a Disneyland so I'm a little bit of a Walt Disney maybe I should respect it more but regardless I'm listening to this song which is an amazing song yeah and they're talking about the lights and I start thinking about oh man Disneyland looks great at night and then in my mind I'm imagining me with the song playing and he's talking about how the blinding lights and how you get lost in the nights and, and, and imagine me like just spun out on Main Street and the Paradise Pier and the way that everything looks and then the next thing you know I have full on tears in my eyes yeah. like I'm full on crying that it's that it's not there that I can't go there my escapism is gone Disneyland was the one thing in my life where once a week, mm-hmm. every other part of my life went away. Right, right. And dude, like you and I have had such amazing nights there. Like we've gotten into weird predicaments because yes. of people we know and the world that we run in. Like, right. Jared, you and I, we've, we've had a great Disney run. Like if it never <laughs> opens up again, we had a great run, better than most. Yeah, oh no, for sure, for sure. So, you know, I, I am grateful for those times and obviously this is probably going to be some sort of before and after phase, right? Like, oh, that was before. I think so. Then, um, so, yeah, I'm An grateful ADBC for that. ADBC type situation. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, and again, we are in that rare position and I don't mean to take any of this lightly. This is all very serious and, it, and it, it's probably way more uh, dark and serious for other people and, and we don't mean to, to make light of that situation at all. We, we understand that there are bigger concerns here than just being able to go back to a theme park. But yes, that is all part of it because Disney was so part of our almost daily life right like uh, you know it wouldn't be uncommon to go like you said once a week every week have multiple things lined up i gotta do this and i gotta do that it's like going to the grocery store now like i gotta do this this week i gotta go to the disneyland i gotta do this and meet some other people so um so it's all tied up for me in this very like it's very social it represents your good friends that you go with and have these experiences with it represents just uh, possibility and all of that stuff so yeah so it, it does feel like a big hole right now and i can't wait for that to be back however that looks on the other side of this well last year getting a little bit personal last year you and i sort of came into this group of friends mm-hmm. and everybody is i don't want to say like an intelligent disney fan that would mean that other people are dumb disney fans but everybody like works with the park or has some sort of an association with the park mm-hmm. or is like a lifelong like you know member to, to special things and so we kind of got this group of people together that all grown men that see the part from this very specific perspective. Yes. And we would get together and we would do a lap and we'd hang out in a restaurant and we would stay till close. And it it made me happy that I had my Disney friends. Yeah. And they weren't weirdos with like, you know, wearing Winnie the Pooh overalls and like, did you get any, did you get goofy signature? I need to get goofy signature. Did you get goofy signature? It's not that crowd. It's like, people that love it the same way and having that community and that brotherhood and that friendship like i literally looked back at my calendar and it was just all these fridays 
Disney with the guys, mm-hmm. Disney with the guys, Disney with the guys. And it was so wonderful. The park's glorious. But having like a pack of friends and all from different backgrounds and different ages and, and, and working with the park in different perspectives, mm-hmm. it just, it really taught me that there is a community at Disneyland. And for people that are so fascinated with Club 33, I'll tell you this. Club 33, aside from all the exclusive nature, and I don't even know what you're allowed to talk about, I'll say this, and if Disney's mad, wah, it does represent a real community of people that all know each other. Because when you go to Disneyland, you think everybody's there, the other 51,000 people are random. Mm-hmm. But knowing that there's people that have this like ancestry of Christmases together and holidays together and meeting people, like... I found that to be the most special thing that I ever found about Disneyland, that there is a community that exists inside of it. And what's interesting about that, too, exactly that. So there's this core group that, that we see more regularly, uh, and it's a very diverse group. Uh, you know, it's not like it's, oh, it's all the same people at the same, whatever, economic level or professional no. level. People are from very different ages and, and ranges of, of, of stages of life and stuff like that. Going to the club adds another level of that, right? You meet people that you would never have met at Disneyland otherwise. Yeah. Um, and, and again, it doesn't mean that we get along with all these people, that we're buddies with all these people, but you're, you're introduced to these people in this very different sort of situation. But you're right. It's, it's the first time I think I felt like you, you're not just visiting a park that you like, but it represents this sort of bigger community of this world and this has been my entry point where it's I'm not like oh well I don't collect the way they collect or I don't you know uh, come to these events the way these people come to these events this feels just right like the, For us, <laughs> the level right? yeah 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 because like everybody has their own way like there's people that crush rise there's exactly. people that, that buy the popcorn buckets and you know I don't I know I come off as elitist, but I don't want to judge anybody. Like, however you love it, it's however you love it. But I found a pack of people that love it the way that I do. Yes. Right? And, like, getting together for Christmas and the different holidays and doing different walks and hanging out. And the fact that we're still doing this on Zoom Mm -hmm. (laughs) and getting together every couple of weeks, our normal schedule, and literally, like, how you doing, how you doing? And it's the same thing. We we talk about our personal lives. We bust on each other because that's Mm -hmm. what guys do. But then we also get into talking about the park. Right. You know, things that different people have worked on or different perspectives or different opinions. And so I think the most important thing from 2019 was it was the year, like you said, it went from being an amusement park to finally being a park in the city that I live in. Like a park park, like just a park that you go to and you play basketball with the guys. We just happened to have Matterhorn in our park. You know what I mean? Like, and, and I found that meeting those people, you just keep meeting more people of the same ideology and the community becomes bigger to where it's like you and I go there and we now like bump into people mm-hmm. and they're like they're like nice established people like nice families and stuff like oh man so and so's over there they want to go get a drink with them and you know I'm not saying anybody's last name for specific reasons but of it's course. just like this community of like oh we just saw so and so's kids like spotting somebody's kids that you also know they're in the park it yeah. makes it feel incredibly like a real city like yes. a real little town which I absolutely adore 
Right, and to have it to be in, in within Disneyland, I, I think I never would have imagined that. It, it wasn't something that I thought, oh, I want to get to that point. Like, you just didn't think that that kind of existed. And, and you know, like you said, Club 33 has its own mystique and, and everything, but it's really these people. Like, even like you said, we're not going to the club, obviously, anymore or anything like that. It's just these people that we've met as a result of that uh, and just taking laps around the park or doing even other things um, that has really stuck more so than it yeah. being a location or a, you know, a, an economic level, or you have to have so much money to be able to go in through these doors or things like that. Um, so that is the one of the, you know, as we get older and as we go to this park so much, it's, it's fewer and fewer surprises. So that's yeah. been like, you know, last year was just packed full of surprises for me where it raised this park to a sort of a different level that I didn't even think existed. I think that I'm, I'm proud that, everybody is still friends mm-hmm. even though those economic benefits aren't there anymore right right and i think i hope that everybody sees that it was always a true friendship and not like an access thing yeah. you know what i mean like because yeah. it 2019 like i told guys you know uh, right we were there days before christmas and i just mm-hmm. said guys like we had an amazing disney year like me and all of you all getting together every two or three weeks doing all the laps like becoming buds like you guys literally made this all feel real to me and we said it on main street and i remember that moment of like this is a real town to me now Mm -hmm. yeah you know and making the magic feel real was so important to me and so i'll be honest the first time i started reading speculation about all the things we talked about today like i just like i don't know if i want to do that I don't know if that's something that I still care about. Will that be my identity when it's that weird and it's that awkward? Mm-hmm. And the main reason why I want to do this episode is I've had two weeks to, to think about all this. Yeah. And the answer is yes. It's still worth it. This Some of this may have sound shocking today. And if it does come true and it does materialize, you will find a way to be like, well, this is the new way that I enjoy this thing because that thing means that much to me. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think, you know, that's, that's, we are so eager to get back to it and everything that I'm willing to accept a lot of other things and then it'll just get, it'll get normal. I think right now it's just because it's the unknown. We we don't know what's going to happen and, and what the rules will be and what all that will be. And I'm sure there's going to be some controversy and things like we said, things that won't work and things that won't take, but I don't know. Like you just kind of have to like everything else with Disney and just go along for the ride and, and see where it goes and, uh, part of me feels like, you know, and this is kind of corny, but I feel like they're ju- they just as much as we do want to get this thing back to normal, right? There's, 100%. there's, there's no mean, reason for them not to want to. So, I mean, so many people think of Disney as this, oh, they got money, they got money, but there's people there. Yeah. Like, there's, there's people's, like, livelihood is at stake. And, you know, like, our bud, Philander, who's like, He's furloughed. Mm-hmm. He's, he's not employed right now. Every, I mean, it's public. Like everybody knows, everybody who works there is not working right now. Right. And he's still every day. He's posting this. You know, the yep. Space Mountain's birthday. This is how we train people for the Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. Like, yeah. It. It. If you look at it on the 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 person to person level, like it, it's their job. It's their livelihood. They wanted to come back just as much as we do, and they wanted to be safe. And Rebecca, who's the 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 woman who's in charge of the park. She's done such a good job on Instagram of sharing with us that like, hey, we're still here. We're waiting for you to come back. And mm-hmm. like the fact that um, 
that they're still raising the flag yes. every day, that Ernie, the Marine, is still driving down to Disneyland and raising and lowering the flag at sunrise and sunset. And the photo they put up of, you know who got to enjoy the first ever May the 4th in Batu? The essential employees. Yeah. And if anybody deserves to be there on that day, it's those people. Like, I've, I've even, call me crazy, but I've even thought about getting a group of people together and going over on Ball Road where you know that the staff drives in. Yeah. And making signs that just says, thank you for right. keeping Disneyland safe. Thank you for keeping Disneyland clean. Like, just to let those people know that, like, I appreciate that they're still going there and watering the flowers. That and the lamp is still on in Walt's apartment. Yes. Right. <laughs> yes. I mean, there's still a skeleton crew. Yeah. That is keeping it going and keeping it safe and, and making sure that everything's still operational. Like, yeah. I don't know. I thought that this was going to be a bummer of an episode, and I know parts of it have been, but I really wanted to have this conversation, and I still feel like somehow we're able to get to a moment of Disney magic through doing it. Absolutely. Well, seeing that flag ceremony, like I think ABC or Good Morning America or something ran that, it kind of made the rounds there for a while. That made me cry. Like, I don't know why. I'm like, I don't know why that's so emotional to me, as if it's just to know that that thing is still there and waiting and wants you back as much as you want to be back and i don't know i just got very emotional seeing that that process is still going on with nobody there yeah well we'll be there soon yes i know we'll be there soon and it's been it's been a complete honor taking the podcast to every wednesday and mentally taking people back into the park and i i apologize if this isn't what you wanted to hear this wednesday but i think that you know um being a good friend is being honest with people and saying it might be different. We might need to get used to this, but I think at the end of the day, we'd all agree that the memories and the magic and the moments we've had with the people that we love the most or the friends we've made there, it's worth it. Oh yeah. I think it's a great little time capsule for this, for this period. And also in addition to that, I want to say the last episode you did without me with uh, Tasha, yes. uh, whose last name I, I, I always feel Sound like. Heart. Okay. Was fantastic, and, and if you guys haven't, li- yeah, there you go. If you guys haven't listened to that one, definitely go back and listen to that one. She's great, and uh, it was a really great interview. So, uh, cheers to you on that one. Thanks, man. It's so fun to talk to somebody that had a a, a, a sculptor's hand in what we've seen at the park. You know, like the the idea of how they took Flex Flyers, mm-hmm. you know, a ride that I did not care about at all, and turn it into the emotional whirlwind, which isn't it a ride that's designed for me but my god am i happy that it's there oh yeah no so i mean again you can edit all this <laughs> if you want to but what i was found fascinating about that episode was when she said they packed that thing up and sent it back to germany <laughs> to get spare it. no expense right yeah, like, well like, the only people that can fix this are the people who made it so we're sending it back to germany I'm like why don't you just order another one yeah so that to me <laughs> that's that's amazing right that adds a dimension to that ride that i would not have assumed no. was there and, and stuff. So yeah, a great appreciation of that. She she brought a lot of that kind of information. Um, and I, I'm sure you could have talked to her forever about each, you know, a drill done on each one of those Pixar Pure attractions. It makes me appreciate it more. I know we, we talked about it in depth on one of the other episodes and stuff like that. And, um, you know, I don't feel bad about the, the, the opinions we express, but it's always interesting to hear those kind of little details uh, from someone who was, was on the front lines of a project like that. It gives you a whole new appreciation for it because it's easy to be a consumer and I like being a consumer of Disneyland, but anybody who's ever been a creative, you know that we're looking at everything from our heart 
<laughs> they look at it all from reality. Yeah. And absolutely. somewhere in between is where it all comes together. So yeah, that was really great. And um, good news for everybody that enjoyed that episode. She said that she'd be more than happy to come back and be in the regular rotation. And I hope that Disneyland for Designers can continue to evolve to have that level of guests on that are professionals yes. that actually see or observe or are a part of the design of the park or uh, you know my part of the industry are people that are the storytellers of the park or yeah. people that, are, that that love the park from a different way so um, it's it's been a real honor to I mean I need this right now yeah. <laughs> like I absolutely like, I started thinking about like you know if you just did the episode once a week you could go to Disneyland once a week and you could still have it in your life so um, <laughs> it's been amazing to see it grow that's been fantastic yeah absolutely and it was a great conversation which I liked it wasn't an interview per se uh, you no. know she gave some great information but it was this nice like talk with someone who who really understands um, sort of the uh, appeal of the park and of these characters and of these attractions and yeah fantastic more of that and I think that I'm glad that you brought that up while we're just kind of like talking about Disneyland for designers when we're in this weird episode. But my goal is to bring Disney people on and to talk to them like friends, fans of the park, and to, right? Yeah. Yes. And not to beat them up on like, yo, is there going to be a new thing that's going to pop up in the lagoon? Right. What's the, what's the plans for tomorrow land? Can you yeah. please tell me? It's more of like, Hey, cause you know, I say, upfront to these Disney folks to say I'm going to tell everybody what your job is so they know who you are and why they should care mm-hmm. but everything else that you say about your job it's going to come from you not from me Yeah, because I'm not going to try to get anybody into trouble Disney Corporation rightfully so they they want to project a certain type of yes. Of narrative, and they have every right to, and that's why this podcast is separate from all my other podcasts, and the language is different, and the <laughs> attitude is different because it's Disney, right? And I just want to create a safe space for creatives to be able to come on and be like, I can be an Imagineer and be on this podcast because I'm safe with this guy. Yes, he's not going to try to ask me what's happening in 2028. He's just literally going to be like, dude, you nailed it on Galaxy's Edge. And if they want to go into telling us a story, that's right. About like, well, you know what? <laughs> Fun fact. <laughs> That almost didn't happen because we couldn't get this to fit. Then I will ask supportive questions, but it's up to them to tell the story how they feel comfortable. And I think professionals really respect that attitude versus somebody who's trying to get every little nugget out of them. Yeah, for sure. And I think these people, they, they you can't do what these people do without loving the park or loving yeah. specifically the Disney parks and stuff like that. So that's what's always exciting to me is like in the in the um, most just like general statement, you, you get the sense of how much they love it yes. and what it means to them. And, and those are the things that you kind of like really listen for more so than like, oh, we hated this project or we agree that this was no good or something like that. Um, it's those little moments, I think, that you're able to capture with them in a more casual setting. That's that's the most entertaining. So are you ready for this little teaser for a future episode? Sure. While we're here? Our good bud, PB. Okay. Phil- Philander Butler. He understands my level of love of the park, but my ability to navigate the park right and so whenever he does a vip tour he's given an itinerary they they want to hit these attractions or they want to do this or they're a celebrity and they need to be at the castle at 12 for a pr photo so he is currently putting together a couple of itineraries practice itineraries and we're going to do an episode where he says okay mark you have to get a family from the Grand Californian 
over to you know radiator racers but you have an hour and a half and they like these things where do you take them he's literally going to give me that's awesome test itineraries and i want to prove my navigation of the park and my understanding of like hold on did you say we need to be there at 4 15 because the parade's going to run at 3 30 which means maybe we say would you guys like to take the train into uh it's a small world we can get off at toontown and we can walk around there and then if we time it right you know what i mean like i can't wait to like I, I'm, that's I'm, awesome i'm pumped for this exercise that's like the nerdiest like video game that i would want to play ever right <laughs> right like doing that and making sure it makes sense and the itinerary uh, the only thing i'd want to do with that episode is i want to be like waldorf and statler on the muppets like just judging you from up above being like mm, no bad idea <laughs> I hope they didn't pay full price for this tour. <laughs> That's awesome. I can't wait for that. He's great. He's great. Uh, he he is uh, such a great guy. Such And what a love for Disneyland, right? Like for just sure. Just a complete ambassador for everything. You would think that if you got to go on a tour, you would hope that you would meet that person. Yes. Yes. That's the way to do it. Thank you so much for having this very important conversation with me. Absolutely. There you go, friends. Another episode of Disneyland for Designers, just for you. A different kind of episode, but a conversation I felt like I wanted to have, and more importantly, wanted to share with you. If you're enjoying the podcast, don't forget you can go to anchor.fm slash Disneyland for Designers, and you can support the podcast. New episodes each and every Wednesday, as long as the park's closed. And who knows, maybe if we get enough supporters, we just keep this party going all the time. Until the next time I see you, friends, make sure you live the magic every single day and whatever you do don't stop believing in the magic because we all need a little Disneyland more now than ever before Just a touch.